One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Well, you know, I, uh, we have offices here downtown. Uh, we, we don't office out of this building because there's really no, no space to do so anymore, but we have offices next door at the Texas building. And, and so one of the things that we have to do um, in order to just kind of do our thing during the week is you have to have parking. You can't just, you can't just like you know, keep paying the meter all day. In fact, you can only park two hours at the meters here and you have to add more money. It's just, it's kind of tough. And so one of the things that we, we do is we actually have to lease parking spaces uh, at, a, at a nice little fee, <laughs> a nice big fee per month per, uh, per parking space. And that's all these lots that you see around here. It's like, yeah, that's just a slab of asphalt or concrete, but I'm telling you, they there's a, there's a, uh, you have to pay for those spaces. And so parking downtown, it just isn't free. But uh, I, I came into my parking space. I had left early one morning and to a meeting and had come back and it was about, oh, about 9.15. And I, I pull up to my parking space and there's a car in my parking space, all right? It's like, that's my parking space. There's a car in my parking space. And this car wasn't just in my parking space. It was kind of parked into two spaces. So it was not only mine, but the guy who parks next to me normally, when I know where his office is, and we, you know, we're, like, we're like parking buddies, it's just, it's just uh, the two parking spaces were taken up, and this car was sitting there, and I kind of got out and looked around. It's like the person has to be around here somewhere. I couldn't figure, couldn't find out. I got on the phone and called the people who, uh, who managed the Texas building and, and, and the, the law lots around here and I just said hey help help me out and I'm Tim with City Life you know us I, yeah we know you guys uh, like my my spot is is taken and so they zoomed in on their cameras and like oh we see you on our cameras right now like oh this is cool I'm waving at the cameras and everything and and, uh, and and then they were trying to help me out and then at that, this moment this had one of the most interesting things happen a person that um, and I don't know this person's name but this person came walking up from across the street and who also parks around here because I've seen the person come and go but I've never really had a conversation with them and, and the person comes walking up close to me and just said oh looks like somebody got your space today huh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. They said, well, are you talking to the, to the managers of the law? I said, yes, I, yes, I am. They said, well, good. And here's what you need to do. You need to stay out here until that person comes back and make them feel shame, shame. And, and, and this, this was getting intense. The face of this person became a little distorted. I'm not kidding or exaggerating. God, you were there. You saw, okay. And then, and, and then the person just said, I got to go, but just, just remember this, bring them shame, shame, shame. Now, I was kind of upset that my space was taken. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, I pay, pay for this, or, you know, we all pay for this. Uh, but, but all of a sudden, now I'm thinking, now I'm going to heap shame on them. And so uh, I, I just didn't know how that worked out with my faith. And I just think, I don't think that's part of my faith. I really shouldn't do that. Although sometimes you, sometimes you want to. You, let's just admit it. Sometimes you want to. But uh, well, anything that I wanted to do at this point is now gone because I just, just my heart was exposed. And so, so I just, I said it out loud after she left. I mean, it was after she left. She got a little bit, I said, I will not be an instrument of shame. And, 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 uh, and I was, you know, still on the phone with these people and, 
from the, the building. And, and right about that time, right about that time, a lady came running out. She goes, oh, no, I heard that, heard that my car was here and I might get towed. And, and she came out. She was very apologetic. I explained to her how the system works. Said, here's how it all works and, and everything. And at that, and that moment, then I looked, across, I looked across and I thought, wait a minute. One of our City Life parking spaces is open right now because Colby's not in the office. And, and I could have parked there all, all along. And, 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 uh, and so, so I just said, hey, I've got, I've got a place for you to park. You can park right over there. It's one of our parking spaces. I forgot about it, but it's open because Colby's not coming in the office today. Today. So she drove her car. Oh, thank you, thank you. Like, you know what? I was able to turn something potentially disastrous around, but it took another person to kind of wake me up because I was kind of just walking in the moment. Like, nobody's going to take my parking space. You know, who do you think you are? You don't pay for this space. Like every city lifer in town is going to come out after you, you know, for taking their pastor's space. Not that you would, but you, you know how thoughts go. And it was, uh, it was my decision right then. It's like, I'm just going to, launch a new me yet again today. It's every day for me, it's a daily decision. I have to launch a new me. And that's my challenge for you. Launch a new me. Not a me, but a you today. I want you to say it with me. Come on, say it with me. Launch a new me today. Don't whisper it. Come on, say it. Come on, say it. Launch a new me today. So there's a lady in the story uh, that's, that's in the, the, whose, whose story is in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Her name is Mary. Uh, she's not Mary Magdalene. She's not Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's often called Mary of Bethany because that's the town where she lived. Uh, in, in past weeks, I've talked to you about her story from Mark 4, her story from John 12. And, and basically, the, you know, these were eyewitnesses who recorded what happened. And, uh, and here, here's just a little of the setting in case you weren't here. I want to catch, get you caught up or help you remember what happened. But Jesus was invited to this dinner, and this is about six days prior to um, six days prior to his crucifixion, and this is in Bethany, and Mary had come and showed up at the dinner. Now, Mary, uh, Mary was there. Mary uh, was someone that Jesus actually knew very well. It, this was not a total stranger that walked in. In fact, he had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead, and her worship of Jesus, you know, and, and her sorrow at the tomb when, when Lazarus was raised, I mean, he literally moved Jesus to tears. And, um, and he obviously had highly regarded this family. He visited their, their, their family home quite a bit. In fact, at one point, there's another story in the Bible about where Mary and Martha were there and Mary would just sit at the feet of Jesus, just drinking in all the teaching. And, and, and it was, it was just incredible. I mean, Martha, uh, she, and, and even the, the, the resurrected Lazarus were there in that setting right there that day, uh, as, uh, when, when Jesus was here for this, this very, very special meal. And the dinner was being served at the home of a guy by the name of Simon the leper. So Mary comes in and breaks this alabaster jar of pure nard. Now, got to look it up, but it is don't, not during the sermon, okay? Uh, but, but it is a very, very expensive perfume. I used to buy my wife something called poison a long time ago. It's not poisonous, but that's the name of it. But it has that in it. And it costs, I looked at the price the other day. I said, oh man, you know what? That'll take a loan to pay for that. So, but but they, this was valued at like a year's wages. And so obviously Mary was a woman of financial means. 
And so she poured it on his head. She poured it on his feet. And she even wiped his feet with her hair. And all of a sudden, there's this outrage in the room. Things are going crazy. The disciples begin to express their indignation. And Judas and some of the other disciples spoke out and said, she's being way too generous. Jesus, you need to stop her. Basically, they and they even, Judas and the, some of the disciples even came out and said, hey, you know, both you and her, Jesus, you and her, you guys must not even care about the poor, you know. Uh, they, they were critical and they were demeaning toward Mary. Uh, they were critical of, of her generosity and Jesus. Then he just stopped all the negative chatter that was happening. Now, today, we're looking at the same story. Uh, but this account is written by Luke. Uh, Luke was a medical doctor who's actually written a large content of the New Testament. And this man has a keen eye for a lot of detail. Of course, being a doctor, he would. And today we're introduced in this story to yet another character that was present in the room and another angle on this that if you haven't already read it, you're not going to see this one coming. It starts in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Dr. Luke writes these words. He says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. All right. Now, just want to give some commentary here. The Pharisee's name was Simon. We know that from, from the, other, the other story. Now, he was also known as Simon the leper. So Simon had at one point had this incurable flesh-eating disease called leprosy, and, and, but it's obvious that, that Simon had been healed of his leprosy or he wouldn't be allowed to have people over at his house, you see? And, and so, so as a result of that, this creates an even more interesting dynamic. You know, how did he get healed of leprosy? There was no way to heal it back then except a miracle. Well, he's hosting Jesus an assumption that can't be proven, but an assumption of mine is that Jesus had healed this Pharisee of his leprosy. Um, interestingly enough, a little bit about Pharisees. Pharisees were wealthy uh, business owners that, uh, that, that spent a lot of time studying the Old Testament scriptures. They, uh, they had positions of authority in the Jewish synagogue as well. And, and he, was, he was the host. And this was his house. And here's what happens. Okay, now Mary enters into the picture. It says, a woman in that town who had lived a sinful life. Some of you didn't know that about her. That's the rest of the story learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and she came there with a jar with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, all along when we've been reading about Mary, uh, there has been nothing to show that she was a woman who had a bad reputation, a woman who lived a sinful life. Most of you are thinking, oh, she was just a happy-go-lucky Christian girl. Everything was just fine. She had her life in order, but actually she was a follower of Jesus, yet she was living in sin. How does that work? I don't know, because I don't understand the ways of God. If you guys got it figured out, you can come up here and preach it for me. I'm going to do my best with it. This is truth, guys. I'm going to rock some of your philosophies and theology today, but I'm just going to tell you what the scripture says. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. You can see it's quite an episode here, and, and, and she wiped them with her hair, and um, she kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now, this is a picture of extravagant worship. Mary here, living a sinful life, is weeping at the feet of Jesus, pouring expensive perfume on him. Quite a scene. Add to it the other things that were told in the other Gospels. This is, this is a, a combustible atmosphere here. 
Now it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he has, that has to be the accent he uses, all right? If this man were a prophet, he would have known who is touching him and that what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I used the little voice there just to kind of point out that this guy, Simon, the healed leper, Pharisee is now critical of Jesus, mumbling that Jesus obviously doesn't have very good discernment, and he's doubting that he's even a man of God. And why? Because in his eyes, good religious people don't interact with bad people. The story is crazy. Let's keep looking at it. So Jesus tells Simon a story. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. That was a lot of money, both, the 50 and the 500. Now, which of them will love him more? In other words, for forgiving the debts. So really what Jesus was doing, Jesus all of a sudden started telling a story about Simon the leper and Mary of Bethany. You see, the one owing the 50 denarii was Simon. The one owing the 500 denarii was Mary because of the, the comparison of how much sin they had committed in their lives. Both owed. Both could not pay. It's impossible to pay off your sins, you see? But both were freely forgiven. Now, who is going to love the person who forgave the debt the most? Okay, Simon replied. He said, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, you, you've judged correctly. I want to pause there here for just a second because when we really, really realize what Jesus has done for us, we will love him much. And when you realize how much you have been forgiven and that nothing, nothing, nothing you can do in your life can pay for your sin, you will love him. It says that he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house. Okay, so the host has a responsibility to his guests. That's what he's trying to say. He says, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. In that culture, there would have been a basin of water at the door where people's feet would be washed, but you were not to wash your own feet. They were to be washed for you when you came into a room. And typically, a servant would do so or the, the person hosting you would do so because you're just not gonna walk around with dusty, nasty feet all through the house. I mean, they had rules about their dirty feet in the house back then too, okay? So they were civilized. And, and it's, it's interesting because... Simon, the ex-leper healed of his leprosy, was not willing to do so. He was just too important. He was too, too good for that. Jesus went on to say, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Culturally, in that time, a kiss in the Middle East, even as it is today, is a greeting. It's just a greeting of love. It's kind of like a warm handshake or just a, just a good hug would be for us in today's world. He said, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many, many, many sins have been forgiven 
as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Who's he talking about? Talking about Simon, the ex-leper, Pharisee. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Wait a minute. Follow the sequence of events. She did all of that and all of the other stories I've told you about her and she had not yet been forgiven? She worshiped Jesus and then at that place she experienced deliverance from her messed up life. Jesus said to the woman, he said this, verse 50, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. In fact, the best translation for those words, go in peace, as I was studying this, I loved what I found there. That literally means go into peace. It's not just walk around with some peace in your heart. No, I want you to go into peace. Jesus wants to send you into a place of peace. Why? It's because he loves you. He loves you, and you're a worshiper of him. You are a recipient of his grace. Your past, your, your turmoil, your confusion, your hatred, it can be demolished, and you can be walking into peace. You need to get your past behind you. I love this because God says this. He said, he said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, God is, is setting up the, a, a place for you to be able to walk in peace. Not a physical place, but it's just a new place. It's just like a new dimension that you begin to walk in. By God's grace, your life is transformed like a dry desert. It's being transformed into something wonderful, something absolutely beautiful. And God wants to remind many of you today, in fact, I would say God wants to remind all of you today that it's time to quit living in your past. Yeah. I love how the message version of the Bible says Isaiah, how it interprets Isaiah forty three eighteen. It says, forget about what's happened. This is God saying this. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert. Rivers and the bad lines. I'm taking you into peace. That's God's work in you, and that's God's work in us. You know, even as a church, as we're about ready to embark on this new chapter of our ministry with the launch Sunday coming up in February, I, I cling to those words. You know, because at that time, City Life will be then a self-governed, autonomous, sovereign church. And we're going to boldly march into our future because we believe God has great things ahead. And what, but here's, here's something that's, that's true, is that what God does in a congregation that you're a part of, he will parallel that in your own personal life. As we gear up for our launch Sunday, my encouragement for you is for you to just to say, I'm going to launch a new me. And the, the, one of the ways to do that is to stop living in yesterday. Don't be governed by your past. Don't allow your past to control your present nor your future. Yesterday is in the rearview mirror. That's why it's called yesterday. And what I love about this story is neither Mary nor Jesus are controlled by shame that was happening in that room. There, were a lot of, there was a lot of shame going on, a lot of it. And, and Simon, the, the Pharisee, he was quietly shaming Jesus and the woman 
but they didn't allow the shame to control them. Mary was not ashamed to honor Jesus the way that she did. She was not ashamed to show her love for Jesus in spite of her massive sin, her massive flaws. Jesus, he was not ashamed either, even though both he and Mary were criticized for several things at that moment. See, what Jesus does, and he still does this, he stands up for the broken. He reaches out to the worshipers, and he launched a new Mary on that very day. She walked into peace. So my encouragement to you is to launch that new me and stop living in shame. I don't care what you've done in your past, whether it was 1968, 1988, 2008, or eight minutes ago, or eight hours ago, or at 8 a.m. If you have engaged the life-changing power of Jesus' forgiveness and his grace, there is no sh- nothing in you that shame can latch onto so you don't have to live in shame. I mean, do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you, do you want to be more outward oriented? Do you want to love the unlovely more? I mean, are you in a, are, are, if, if so, my encouragement is to step out and begin to walk in that peace. You might be in the position of Mary here today. And, and my question to you is, are you willing just to begin to worship Jesus in spite of your hangups and in spite of your sin? Are you, some of you, that's your story. You did. Then you experienced the life-changing power of Jesus. I mean, are you willing to move forward with God knowing even that you don't have it all figured out and you don't have it all together. So this series is called People of Purpose. It's the name of my series of messages these three weeks. My encouragement today, my final encouragement is to launch that new me and live life with purpose. The three ways to live life with purpose is outward focus, generosity, and a long-term life vision. Outward focus, generosity, a long-term life vision. And I've tried diligently to integrate these things into my life. I don't hit the mark every day, but every single day I wake up and I said, I'm launching a new Tim. Regardless of yesterday, I'm going to live by these things the best I can. And really, one of the things we've done is to, to do our best to integrate these, these, this, uh, these ways of living into the lifestyle of our church. But to live like this, we actually have to understand the enemies of those things so we can fight those enemies because there's the enemy of outward focus. And what is that enemy? It's self-centeredness. It's self-focus. It's creating a facade. It's, it's where you make yourself the, self, the center of everything because self-centeredness, what it does is it strips away your ability to even focus outward because all you can think about is what was in the mirror. See, the enemy of generosity is stinginess. If you want to live with a spirit of generosity, be a person of purpose, then you have to, you know, refuse, and you have to fight against this this, uh, this, this stinginess and and hoarding and greediness and even prejudiced attitudes that we have uh, and where we keep judging everyone and everything because... If, if we pursue that, if we, see, if we just look at that and begin to perceive everything in a negative light, which causes stinginess, the truth is generosity crumbles. Your forward focus of your life crumbles. Uh, the enemy of a long-term vision is short-term pleasure. Living for the weekend, living in just in the moment for the moment, living short-sighted. You know, know the enemies of your purpose and assault those enemies daily, church because they will attempt to creep up on every single one of us every day. That's why each day you gotta get up and launch that new you. 
See, the thing is, a life of purpose has great potential to demolish darkness in this world, and that's how God designed you. And, you know, there, there comes a time when you just need to, you just, just come to this place in your life, and, and some of you are there, and it's just, wait, 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 you're just, you just don't want necessarily God to do something for you anymore, but you really want to God to do something through you. And that's when the doors begin to swing wide open. That's why Jesus said, he said, do not store up for yourselves uh, treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A heart, what is that? Your heart is your mind. Your heart is your emotions. And if, uh, if our resources are fueling self-centeredness, stinginess, and short-term pleasure, then it's going to consume our minds and it's going to push out the qualities that will give us purpose. And that's why we hop, jump, never get down, put down roots. Everything seems like it's constantly uprooted in our lives. Jesus said it well. He said, no one can serve two masters. He says, you're going to love one and hate the other. You're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus still wants us like Mary to walk into peace, to live in a place of peace, but not just for us, but for us to provide that and allow that and and give the opportunity for others to experience that, to walk in peace. And I'll just tell you what, guys, I don't ever want to be like Judas criticizing. I I don't ever want to be like Simon the Pharisee who was too good for all that. that's, That's actually part of why this church exists. Today, as we wrap up our Heart for the House emphasis for this year, we're sowing seed for the future of this ministry. So like you might say, well, again, what is Heart for the House? Well, it's about embracing your divine destiny to contribute and to create that future. It's about giving, the giving goes three ways. Just a reminder, it's it's, uh, for our house. And young families are, are really coming into our church. We need, a, we need a lot of investment in our children's ministry, huge investment there. We have continuing facility needs, and we have a vision to upgrade and update and, and keep this building going as good as possible. Also, our city, um, Serve the City, which started uh, on Friday night. Over at Beautiful Feet. We're going to be doing meals for the homeless, tables set up back there for that. Uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to be taking care of the homeless among us and even taking care of the homeless among us on a regular basis. Our West 7th banner, which will be going up in January, influencing the culture in a huge way. You'll be hearing a lot about that in the coming months. Culture is created right here, and we have a responsibility because of where we are to influence that culture with the life, love, and power of Jesus. Also, our world with missions, so many opportunities there to help plant churches in India, the DNA of city life, going into brand new church plants, not just in America, but around the world. You know, what we're praying for is an additional 70,000 in, in pledges and offerings above our regular tithes and offerings, which will come through the heart in the house, heart for the house cards. And uh, my prayer is that this will be a scent of generosity that will really be a prelude to this next big step for our church, a powerful work of God. Hey, I, I, want, I want to tell you this though. In all the stories about Mary in the Bible, one thing that she did, she moved the heart of Jesus deeply. She poured out her emotions to Jesus. She moved Jesus to tears. She honored God with generosity and her story is in the Bible. 
her giving was a sweet offering to God. It was not an obligation. It was something from her heart. Simon the Pharisee did the wrong thing. He said, instead of rejoicing with Mary at her love for Jesus, he confined his thoughts to her bad character, her poor lifestyle choices, and possibly even her occupation. We don't know why she was being criticized, but she was obviously a woman of wealth, but she had a very, very bad reputation in the community. It doesn't take very much to put, connect the dots there. Now you see what was really happening in that room. Simon exalted himself. He didn't exalt Jesus. His attitudes of arrogance and pride, superiority and disdain for Mary was the problem. Yet, Simon was really the greater sinner than Mary, and Jesus even made that clear. It was not, Jesus was not condoning Mary's lifestyle at all. Don't get me wrong. But he was honoring her humility and her generosity. You see, God prefers that. Pride and arrogance, I believe, is the more dangerous sin. I'm going to say, turn from that. Turn from that. So I say, live your life with outward focus, generosity, and a long-term vision. Because this lady gave with an extravagant attitude. Jesus said her story would be told. The scent of her perfume is, again, that's kind of like it's in this room even right now. Her story is being told again and again and again, just like Jesus said it would be. She was rescued from a dark past of self-destruction, I want that for you, but I also want you to be able to set us up so we can do this more and more and more and more. As I look out across the group, I see so many of you who walked into this place probably saying to yourself, I will never go to church. I don't even, I don't even think this is good for me. Someone just kept twisting your arm, saying, come back, come, come, come. You came in here and you found Jesus. This is a different kind of church, guys. God's hand is on us in a unique way because most of the people who attend here found Jesus here. We have a responsibility, guys. We have a responsibility. Twofold response, remind you of one last time, is to give with your tithes and your offerings, of course, but also your heart for the house offering and commitment. Again, that's a commitment that's about that you would give sometime between now and the end of the year. The close of the message, I just encourage you to take you know, your heart for the house card if you've not yet done so and just drop it back in that giving station. But please write your prayer needs on the back because I carry those cards with me. Uh, my second challenge, second challenge is this, is for what's happening tomorrow night is to attend and invite people to our launch interest meeting tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So you can hear a description of the vision. If you, if you did not, we're not able to attend the first one. I want you to come to this one to hear the vision God's placed in our hearts. This is not a fly-by-night ministry. This is not something that's, that's, that's a flash in the pan here today and gone tomorrow. We have, we've dug deep, and God has blessed us, and the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Find a friend who needs what you sense here. Who needs to experience it or, or possibly needs to be a part of it, bring them to that lunch interest meeting. But more than anything, here's my challenge. Launch a new me today. Launch a new me. 
Maybe it's giving your life to Jesus today, or it could be just saying, you know what? I'm going to drop those attitudes that I woke up this morning, and I'm going to walk into peace. Like the scripture says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. God says, I'm about to do something new, and it's bursting out. Don't you see it, he says. There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands for you. I'd like for us to pray. Here's what I want in this room. I don't want any movement, but I want you to focus your eyes internally. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus. You might be here and you've drifted from your relationship with God, but if you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, the Jesus you, that you heard me talking about today, you want a new beginning, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And the way that you'll do that is just by very simply lifting your hand in just a moment. But know this, as you're examining your heart, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine His grace and his mercy is flowing towards you and all you have to do is receive it because he died for you so that you can have life and life to the full and today is your time to live. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, surrender your life to Jesus, I'd like for you to raise your hand at the count of three. Will you do that one, two, three? Please lift your hand. Thank you. Who else? Today's the day to give your life to Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like for everyone in the room to stand. Please stand with me. Stand with me, guys. Everyone here. If you lifted your hand, I want you, along with this entire congregation of believers, to pray these words with me. Come on, believers, pray these words with me as well. Dear Jesus, come on, say it. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to walk into peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.